I'm standing in a car park in Brighton, living my best life. Welcome to a creative loving spirit. I wonder why you're here. Why are you here? Why are any of us here? Maybe you're interested in creativity, creativeness, creative and nativity. Uh, maybe you're interested in whoever's going to be having this conversation today, uh, whatever it is. I'm glad you, you've arrived. I'm Paul. I make things. I write and direct. I make theatre and films and publish my own writing and stuff. No, and I'm interested in people who make things. People who have a creative practice. Perhaps if you're like me, there are people who you're interested in, you'd like to have conversations with. Um, the more deep and reflective kind of conversations, but the ones that don't normally happen on a day-to-day -day basis, unless you're, you know, five pints in uh, at the arse end of an evening in the pub. So, um, out of my interest in people who make things, I thought, well, if only there was a way to have those conversations that I'm really interested in having about what they make and how they make it and even why they make what they make. And I thought, well, why not just invite them to come and talk to me and record it and say it's a podcast and they won't know any different. I know, has it come to that where every interaction and experience has to be digitized? And the answer is yes, yes it has. The fortunate thing being, of course, that we get to share that back with you. So that's what I did. I invited a whole bunch of people who make different things to come have a chat about what they do. Um, this first conversation is with Pete Strong, who is a writer and poet, a comedic performer, who was up for sitting down and having a chat the day after his new show, Shame, began at Brighton Fringe and we covered a lot of different ground it was a, it was a great chat it was a great opener i was a little bit nervous as host i couldn't believe uh, how warm it was i also couldn't believe how much i stumble and stutter in trying to articulate myself and pose the questions i want uh, to explore but anyway i think it came out pretty well and we covered all kinds of topics, so if you're interested in comedy, stand-up, how someone begins in that, uh, Pete covers a bit of his own experience about that. We talk a little bit about the degree to which your personal life features in the things you make, and on to other things like uh, inspirations and taking care of yourself when you're uh, making stuff and, uh, you know, trying to pay the bills at the same time. So yeah, this is a conversation with Pete. I hope you enjoy it. And I'll see you back here afterwards to debrief, okay? Okay, let's do it. And it begins like this.
Well, thank you very much for for joining me no, for a conversation no about <laughs> you about me and what you make and creativity and all of talking about me the stuff. It, well, there you go. Here's a forum. It's a whole. I'm gonna spend like the next hour doing that. <laughs> Gotta be sick of yourself <laughs> by the end of it. But in a creative sense, how do you describe yourself or what you do? I. It sort of changes to how it changes with how I'm feeling. To be honest, I mean, I I kind of, um, I've kind of settled on writer and poet because that is probably what I probably the closest thing to what I do. I used to say, oh yeah, I'm a stand-up comedian, but I'm more and more as I go on think. Much I still do a lot of stand-up comedy, and I will still do a lot of gigs where I'm only doing sort of stand-up, you know that kind of format, I've more and more find that it's not really what I do. And I, interestingly, I had a, I had a conversation, Facebook conversation with um, a friend of mine who, she's Northern Ireland, she's just moved back over to Northern Ireland. And uh, like last year, I think. And she did a bit of stand-up in Brighton, um, sort of did a comedy course. And... Um, having a conversation with her and I think she'd seen something I'd put on Twitter or Facebook which was slightly self-pitying and she sort of messaged me going like hey it's all right it's fine look I think you're great you know I saw you last year and I don't know if it's comedy but you know it's definitely (laughs) you've got something and I was like oh great I'm gonna stop calling myself a comedian so um, I think writer poet is probably the closest and I would like to you know, my grand, all the grand visions would be, I've got grand sort of um, ideas of what I want to do and it is it is a lot more sort of theatrical and uh, not necessarily stand-up. But, you know, most people probably just think, oh, that was a stand-up comedian. Well, that's, so that's interesting. So, um, writing and, or a writer and poet, as I suppose perhaps a, a, a stand-up, comedian yeah. but that's um that's uh, that's still performance isn't it it's not yeah it's not a writer or a oh poet. yeah yeah sorry um, yeah so yeah maybe so yeah yeah so maybe like write a performer i don't know yeah but yeah yeah there's a lot of performance i would like to write more that i'm not performing mm. that i don't necessarily perform but i find doing the performing just takes up so much of my time mm. and effort you know it's i don't i don't necessarily have the time or energy to sit down and you know, write something which is exclusively for reading, mm. like, a, like sh- short stories, or um, I'd love to write books and that kind of thing, but I just don't have the time. So I, pref- so I just perform now. But you know, it's fine. It works. Is that principally um, when you're thinking about what you'd like to create? Does your mind go towards and this is how it would appear in performance is, is that where that's yes the yeah it does sort of go towards that yeah. and I do think I do think a lot about the performance that the I I mean you saw me yesterday yeah. and it, it you know I am a little bit sort of shambolic and sort of a li- and it's sort of not you know it's what's the word it's a bit uncomfortable at times and awkward but as I've when I started out, I was like that, and then I got really sharp and like really tight, and 
And, you know, my performance was really good, but people weren't laughing as much. And then someone said, oh, do you remember when you were really awkward? And <laughs> so, okay. so I just started doing that. But I've now, like, hit myself in the corner. I am just naturally always awkward now on stage. I've kind of lost the ability to be really sharp. And I mean, I could probably find it again, but... But yeah, so I do that. I do go into it, and like the things around, like the all the stuff around it. When I was doing this show yesterday, um, I originally wanted people to be coming in, and I'd be like cleansing the room. But you know, I can't like just look at the that kind of thing. And the music's very much meant to set the theme as well. The music that I play as people come in, like mm. I really plan that. Like it's meant to set a certain mood. I don't want it to be just like, hey, let's put on some happy music. So people will be like revved up, you know, it's like I'd rather put on something really weird that sets a certain mood. So it's beyond that functional thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Here's the walk on music. This yeah, is actually exactly. part of the exactly. theatrical frame. Or exactly. So it's like basically when people walk into the room, it's sort of started. Yeah. And I would like to go with theatrical. I've always had, I've had loads of ideas over the years I've never really followed through. You know, ridiculous things. I wondered on ventriloquism at one point. I wanted to be able to have a conversation. I read out of a book of, uh, like a poetry notebook on stage. And I wanted to learn ventriloquism so that I could have really, you know, unpleasant, angry arguments with the uh, book. <laughs> and it would in- the book would interrupt all the poems. Maybe I'll do it someday. But it's just, I'm very lazy, so I haven't got around to doing it yet. The next evolution. Yeah, yeah. Just, so, um, just so we have an idea. I mean, yep. Where in the world is your sort of work showed up i don't mean just ge- geographically i mean would basically what have you what have you done okay that people would have seen or could see if they had a time machine where would they go I... to what would they see so i'll yes i might as well just start from the beginning so like i so i used to do a lot of acting um so i moved over here to study politics and philosophy at university which is very boring so i just did a lot of acting instead and um dropped out of university but I enjoyed myself, hey. so it was fine. Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was a combination of acting, and I and um, I had a bit of a nervous breakdown. But anyway, the um, and uh, and I but when I was at university, I met a group. There's group pe- people I became friends with, and we went to um, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. This is in two thousand and five, mm. um, and I was doing. We were doing a play. We were doing um, production of Marat Sad. Do you know Marat Sad? Yeah, yeah. Um, where I was playing the Marquis de Sad, which was a barrel of laughs. <laughs> and he, uh, <laughs> and we did it. You know, did it set? It was we did it in this church in Edinburgh. Um, is it a church? So it's. I think it's the Edinburgh University venue. But anyway, did that, and then when we were up there, we saw. Um, I think it's the Improverts with the Edinburgh University Improv Troupe. We were. We could do this. So uh, I came back and started doing that and then did that for years and started doing the Brighton Fringe, the Brighton Fringe every year for like, I mean, they, they're still going now doing that. And um, and we did the Edinburgh Fringe. And um, as it went on, I got more and more, I'd always thought I'd like to do something by myself. And I got less and less enamored with, about doing stuff with other people. Um, why, why was that? What was... What were you seeing? Well, I kind of, I, mean, I still did some players and things, but the, with other people, but the, but comedy wise, I kind of, I just wanted to strike out my own sort of thing. And I had some, I've got some really good memories of that. And they're still going on. They're still really good friends. I left them in 2014. 
Um, and they sort of travel. We travel over, do festivals all over the country, and um, do fringe festivals. Do like you know, did Camden Fringe, Edinburgh Fringe, Brighton Fringe, and uh, you know, yeah, music and comedy festivals. Yeah. So um, and then I sort of slowly started doing stand up comedy by myself in about two thousand twelve, thirteen. Can't really remember. There were sort of lots of stopping and starting. And um, I just went along to um, like a, an open mic comedy night. Just got in touch. Someone gave me someone's name. I messaged them. Said, I want to come do this. And when I started out, it was very... Actually, that first one I turned up. I turned up and said, I don't feel very well. I'm going to go home. Just left. <laughs> right. Okay. That was... Uh, uh, I was just like, your, your toe oh. in the water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then... But then a little while after, I did do it again. But like when I started, it was very... Um, it was like... I'd always written poetry, but then I started writing these really stupid little silly poems, which, um, and they are stupid, most of them are really silly, and uh, I started doing that, and um, so when I started out, it was all very awkward, it was all like that, few one-liners, and it was basically because I didn't know how to write jokes, so I just wrote poems instead, because I don't know, didn't know how to write, still don't really know how to write jokes. Did the Edinburgh Fringe in 2014 with my friend Dan Fardell, um, and uh, we did like a split bill. We did the Brighton Fringe, and we weren't going to do Edinburgh, and then we got a really good review and um, from uh, Chortle, which is a sort of national comedy website, um, quite well respected, and we were like, yeah, oh, brilliant, all right, yeah, we got really good review, and then, and then immediately went and like, um, t- there was someone who dropped out of a slot in Edinburgh, so went and did the Edinburgh Fringe for a month, um, which was great, really enjoyed it, but I got, nor, you know, they said like, if you do it every day, and you're doing a show every day, and you're doing the same thing every day, and you're finding all the little things in it, and like changing them, and adapting, that you just get better and better. But there's, I remember a quote from a, I can't remember who it was, but it's another comedian said that, yeah, sometimes you get better, sometimes you get worse. <laughs> and, um, but I came back from Edinburgh and was like, yes, right. This is 2014. I was like, right, yes, right. I'm going to write my own solo show. It's going to be amazing. And um, I got back and I was like, jumped straight in, did loads of gigs. And I'd just gotten really, I'd gotten worse. I'd gotten really bad. And I, I, it wasn't very good. I'd managed to get very good up to the summer, and then after Edinburgh, just... And could you attribute that to anything? Was there... I don't know. I was just... Um, I, I didn't really have any... There's no oomph in it. I don't know what it okay. was. And what I couldn't... Something? Anything I was anything I was writing just didn't have... Because half of it is delivering it in the right way. Yeah. Not necessarily like with confidence, but like delivering it in the right way that you get a reaction. And if you're just going... You know, it doesn't, and it doesn't. Is that sort of some kind of deeper meaning or sort of connection to yeah, something that's yeah, actually empowering it rather than the actual kind of mechanics of it? And the, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, but then because I wasn't doing it that well, then all the other stuff started as well, so the mechanics of it didn't right start slipping as well. So and then I sort of was on and off for about a year, so I gave up for a bit, and then I did um, the. Brighton Comedy Festival Squawker Award was like the new act award for the Brighton Comedy Festival. Which you you were not was that you were nominated? I was a finalist. You were a finalist. Yeah. So um, what was the show? It was oh no, it wasn't. I didn't a show. It was like a competition. Oh, it was sorry. like a um, actually I hate I hate comedy competitions, but 
Obviously, I, I entered one and I did So You Think You're Funny, which is a really big one in 2014, and didn't get any, and just didn't, nothing happened. And then, um, but the Squawk Awards, like local, so I was like, that's easy. Send the email off. I could just cycle in. And um, somehow got to the final of that. Um, and then had another massive crisis of confidence after that because I thought, oh, brilliant, I can use, that'll be a little push and nothing happened. But it's not a very high-profile thing and it just nothing happened. So I sort of had another crisis of confidence, managed to pull together a work-in-progress R for the Brighton Fringe in 2016, which went all right. Um, and I was like, right, next year I will be doing an R and it will be Brighton Fringe, Edinburgh Fringe, and I'll jump up to the next level. And then nothing happened for two years. So, so it's kind of, I, I mean, it's punctuated by all these dips of like self-doubt and uh, um, drops in confidence and not doing it. You know, it's because it's, you know, it's I, I struggle a lot with my mental health. And normally, performing is kind of, it's a good, I call, I call it like the white zone. It's like, a, I don't, everything sort of goes really quiet when I'm, you know, it's kind of like all the, all the panic and all the doubt and anxiety sort of disappears when I'm on stage because it's sort of, I don't know if I'm describing it very well, but I kind of zone out. Yeah. But that was, that was starting not to happen. In that place where the you yeah. that dipping confidence yeah and I just that was what wasn't even happening you know I was really noticing it when I was just very getting very self-conscious and yeah so I didn't enjoy I wasn't enjoying it so I stopped for a bit subject matter in it and you are very I think consciously open about the, the totality yeah, of yeah. your experience yeah, including yeah. some challenging stuff and mm. your mental health yeah. uh, struggles and stuff like struggles whatever that's maybe related yeah. whatever experience mm-hmm. um, and I'm kind of interested is that something that has always been there or is that kind of fed in to draw sort of a parallel I mean you you also talk about this um shambolic persona or presentation yeah. and and that those edges getting rounded off at some point and revisiting that and yeah, owning yeah. that what's the journey being to sort of marry your general experience of life with how you present yourself and explore what you explore like in performance well i know the exact point where i started being really honest about these things in my life quite sort of quite personal things and that was I've been going a year or two, and um, my um, my wife and I, and she won't mind me talking about this, it was a year after we got married, and um, the sort of few years up to that, when we, in the early part of our relationship, there was quite often a discussion about having children, and I've never been that particularly narrowed with the idea of having children, and um, when we got together, I was a bit older than me, so she was sort of at a point where children were in her head you know it was a thing that she was thinking about but anyway all that so there was all that going on um and I got up on stage once and just started talking about it by that point we'd kind of you know made a decision and moved on but um I sort of got up and sort of 
started talking about it and said, uh, my wife and I were talking about having children. Um, I just, I hate, I hate children. And then just went off on this sort of, about, you know, 10 minutes about, like, I just don't like children. And it was quite brutal and it was quite, um, and occasionally I have debates with the comics about it because, you know, they'd, they'd be really offended by it. Like, well, you know, like, I've got kids, what's the matter with that? Number one guy. You do realise the world would just be a ball of despair and fire without children. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, fair enough. But yeah, so it was just being very brutally honest about what how I felt. Like, slightly exaggerated, because like, I don't genuinely wish children died. But, you know, it's... Um, <laughs> But, you know, as I was being honest about my personal experience, and that was the first time, because before that it was all, like, silly poems and silly jokes, really stupid stuff, surreal, very surreal stuff. And then I just started talking about that. So that was very sort of unplanned that in the was, moment. But that was the moment, and since, then I ta- and since then I've started talking a lot more about like, my issues with alcohol, uh, some issues with my family, um, and, you know... And now I quite often, when I'm writing stand-up, will try and aim for particularly, you know, honest, like a very honest thing. And it doesn't, quite often that ends up not being very funny. But, you know, so I'm trying to find the, where, you know. But then again, it makes me feel better. It's like, there is, um, you saw the show yesterday, and the bit where I talk about wishing my wife was dead. Yeah, <laughs> which was very, very funny. Yeah, 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 but it's not... <laughs> not that I, I've never met your wife once. Yeah, 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 but it's, <laughs> but like, it's genuinely, it's not, you know, I was like, it was because I came home one day and something happened, and I'm like, ah, you know, it was like, really, I, and for a brief instant it was, but then I realised, how many times I wish someone was dead? I've wished that on people I know and love, probably loads of times, but like, only in a very, like, brief moment where they've done something that's really annoyed me yeah. you know and i think most people probably have gotten that been filled with absolute rage at someone they really love yeah and then probably thought something or maybe even sometimes said something that really absolutely regret there's a kind of a truth there i sort of aim for that kind of thing that kind of uh, touches a little bit on something else i'm in, interested in um oh. and that's what's what's your processing in making uh, something uh, and 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 how and how has that changed? Cause, I mean, something you said there sort of maybe earmarks a certain change, and you, you said now that you're looking for those areas, yeah, where yeah, there's yeah. something truthful and stuff. And, you know, how how have you developed the process you use now? Well, know? so it just started out as kind of just like I just need to write something funny, and I find it very easy to write short poems because they were just like throwaways or like just. Mm. Um, and then as you do more and you do longer sets um, and I find now that I instinctively move towards those sort of areas so it's just like yeah so I, yeah so without realizing it so I'll um I'll cut uh, something I'll start like I'll have an idea and then just go and um, and then just think it, jot it down, and then go and, and write something out around it. But it's it's sort of instinctive, and it instinctively seems to fall into those area into those sorts of areas. Now, not all of it, mm. but quite a lot of it. So so it's um, I don't I never sort of sit down and go right, okay, what what harsh truth can I make <laughs> a joke about now? You know, I don't do that. You know, like most of my writing is sort of like. 
two, three paragraphs, and then it sort of builds out in performance. Like I'd, I, I, where I quite often don't will not write down the whole thing like in detail. Mm. You know, it's kind of par, it's sort of broad paragraphs, and then it develops as you perform, um, which is good in one way because it means it develops really naturally so what I'm saying on stage it sounds like a natural thing about doing like something like stand-up for example which is part of what I do I suppose despite what I said earlier <laughs> the, uh, um, it, it's like a conversation it has to sound like at times it has to sound like a conversation like, like a conversation where only one person is talking a bit like that <laughs> but you know what I mean you know so it has to give the appearance of being a conversation so that you build up that natural speech natural rhythm and speech cadence yeah and cadence and so part of your process is is finding that the yeah. detail of that in, in the yeah. delivery through performing and yeah yeah absolutely absolutely I mean I should write it more down. I mean, I've lost count of the amount of good things I've done that I haven't recorded or written down. That it's just that I've just I've just gone in the ether. It's one of those things. Um, if, if you let, I can use the term stand up or comedy or yeah, yeah, that kind of yeah. sort of that is what it is, performance. Really. Yeah. Um, that I find the the process feels very different. Seems very different to me. My experience mm. uh, uh, writing for performance, which mm-hmm. is. Write out the thing in all its detail, pretty yeah. much, and then go and um, work the thing up. And you're kind of in this walking this tightrope between a little bit of something to get yeah. going, and then the performance and iteration kind yeah. of uh, informs that. Um, and you talked about like you record your stuff. And yeah. Is that for the purposes of listening back to sort of you know is that Let part of that? Feel bad. <laughs> it's, it's not just uh. for posterity, but it is. It, oh yeah, it'll be to it'll be to. Um, yeah, so I can learn from it. Like so, so for example, the show you saw yesterday you recorded that is the first one of the run. I felt it was all right, but it was a bit. It needs quite a lot of tightening up. I recorded it, and I know I can go and sit down and listen to it, and I, I, you know, I know exactly what I need to do to it. To, so I'll record everything I do, absolutely everything. Mm. And it's even sometimes if it's just like a little, you know, oh, I need to emphasize a different word there, or. Yeah, or like just like switch things around, but quite often it's things like I'll pause somewhere when I'm talking, or I'll um, even things like coughs. Like I've had things where I've had I had like a really bad coughing fit um, in the middle of a gig, and I sort of apologised, drank some water, listened back to it, and I was like, well, it's, yeah, I just do that every night, <laughs> and I did that for a while, and that worked. Which is something, um, if you were sat writing, exploring an idea on a page, you wouldn't go, well, at this point I have a coughing bit out yeah, nowhere. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, yeah, that's the thing. So it's not, it's very different sort of writing from, because you're writing as if you're talking and all the stuff that's, mm. if you ever look, look at like a stand-up script, if someone writes their stand-up in a script, which I think a few people have done, I know Stuart Lee's done and a few other people, the um, it's very you know it is exactly what is happening and saying and the, all the erms and errs are in there and all the stumbles over things like a Coen Brothers script yeah 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 yeah, that yeah. Kind of... <laughs> exactly yeah yeah so you described uh, how you your interest or the or the way what you make has developed from yeah beginnings in acting a little bit of 
collaborating with other people and then finding this sort of yeah. solo route and that which is again seems to be evol- evolving and having yeah. ambitions towards the more theatrical i'm interested in what inspired you or what were the influences in the, the earlier part of your life that kind of took you down that that road were there any things were there any models for the things you were interested in or um, you know, I, where did that even come from i Watched a bit of comedy when I was a kid, mm. like like you do, but I was never in. I was never hugely into it. Um, I've watched all the usual things people my generation watched in the nineties, you know, like Red Dwarf, and Leon Herring, and all that kind of stuff. And then um, I um, I always wanted to be an actor. I was like from a very young age, from about seven or eight. I did a school panto and was like, this is for me. Oh, okay. I played the DM in the school panto when, <laughs> I, was, when I was eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So um, that was fun. So, and, uh, but that, was, that wasn't about necessarily seeing, oh, there's a favourite film star or something like that. It was, no, it the was love came from I can't remember how I got on. I can't remember okay. how I, I did that. I don't know whether the teacher went like, oh, he's a bit of a show off. He's good. <laughs> I don't know. It, but then just loved it and just kept going at it. And I, there are actors I've always really um, loved, like um, Ian Holmes, my my favourite. Mm. And, I, and I think I kind of, when I was younger, I wanted, just wanted to be an actor. I, you, my plan was always I'd go to university and uh, then I'd go to drama school. And then I would be a Hollywood superstar, obviously. <laughs> uh, no, no, not that. But, you know, I'd, but I'd obviously go and do, I'd just go and do that. Um, I'd just be, you know, be a professional. I just wanted to be a professional actor. I'd still like to do that, but at some point, or do some of that. But um, I, so at university, yeah, so I mean, at university, I had a bit of a break, nervous break. Um and uh, dropped out and sort of had a few years of sort of just not doing very much. Like, I worked in bars and I drank a lot and um, took a lot of drugs and sort of just, I just wasted around, basically. And and I was still doing, I, I, you know, I still did some players for a bit. Um, I still still did some players like uh, involved in some theatre groups in time, um, and did some stuff in London. I was in did a couple of little films, um, and all this time I was still doing this. I was in this improv troupe called Off the Cuff that um, that we'd started coming back from Edinburgh, and um, and I was still in that, and I was still doing that, and I just sort of didn't really. I, th- I think I was kind of looking for something, probably. So looking for t- something to do, something. I don't. I didn't know what it was. And I had vague ideas of being, you know, still being an actor, but that didn't seem like it was going to happen. Could afford to go to drama school, and I was kind of like, well, what, how do I, what do I do? Um, yeah, and then eventually discovered, sort of, just sort of fell into stand up hmm. so it was never like I never like I wasn't when I was younger going like yes I'm going to be a solo uh, <laughs> rights performer no the path the path was panto dame drama school yeah Hollywood. yeah yeah but it was, was well not Hollywood but you know but you know I wanted to be just wanted to be a professional actor
way in your winding path to where you are now. Yeah. Uh, have you have you had any sort of kind of mentor figures or teachers or people who've who, who've sort of opened things up for you or help guide you or support you? Not necessarily. I've had a lot of like in doing sort of comedy stuff. I've had supportive friends who've sort of helped me mm. and supported me and get better and everything. But I've never had like a mentor. No one's ever gone. Oh, you, know, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to take you to the tech. No one's ever, you know... Oh, ever, boy, come on, I'll yeah. take you under my wing. Yeah, yeah, no one's ever done that. I mean, I, I should say, like, you know, my, my wife is incredibly mm. supportive of me, incredibly patient as well. I sometimes think I wouldn't have put up with that, with it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, it's, yeah. So she's been great. I mean, there was a lot of... When I started out doing comedy, there was a group of us who all sort of started at the same time. And some of us are, we've all gone off and sort of done slightly different things. Some of us are really successful, sort of professional mm. comics. Um, and some of us have given up doing it. And some of us are other different levels on the... Do you have like a peer? Like yeah, peer community yeah, yeah. So you sort of start, I mean, like there's lots of people that we all sort of did, you know, similar. We started doing stand-up at a similar time. But yeah, there's there's like definitely a group of people that I sort of regarded as they're at the same time. Mm. You know, they they came out, they started at the same time, and we learned at the same time, and all that kind of thing. Having said that, knowing that, and then some of them are, you know, really, really well. You know, they're very, quite successful now. So you kind of go like, mm. it did, but it just goes to show. And I talk a lot about this. I've talked about this with my Dan quite a lot, actually. But it just goes to show it's not, like, a sure sort of route, you know. It's like someone could, like, within a couple of years be on, you know, be, I don't know, like the Apollo or something like that. Um, you know, you, you say you get three people who start at the same time, one or four people. One could, within two years, be in line with the Apollo. One person could be a regular circuit comic. One person could be doing something completely different, like in theatre. One person might have just given up. You know, it's kind of, it's not, there's no, everyone's got different routes, different paths, yeah. and different yeah. and different um, periods of time in which it takes to get better. I felt like I got quite good in sort of two, three years, and then got really bad, and it's only in the last year I feel like I've started getting good again. And I mean, like, I mean today I feel like, oh, I'm terrible. <laughs> Well, maybe that's just that's just post show post show crash down. But um, but yeah, I just feel like you know that's the point. But the you know, but the yeah, so it's dirty. So yeah, so but it's quite nice having there are a group of friends and we don't see each other that often. That often now, but we catch up occasionally. And it's really nice. Mm. It's also something on Saturday. And that's a is that a talking shop kind of thing or is yeah, it just talk about uh, talk about stuff how it's going. Um, it's quite, you know, and like we we'll occasionally talk about comedy and jokes and things, and that's mm. quite. So you know that that was kind of a a supportive thing, I suppose. Mm. Um, but as for like someone, tell you what, who's a massive influence on me, not in like work, how I did work, but just in a making me believe that I could just do whatever I wanted, um, and feel good about it. Was I went to uh. My school, Portland College, back home, 
I had a French teacher. Where is home? I'm from Market Hill, which is in South Armagh, Northern Ireland. Um, but I went to um, Portadown College, which is a bit away from there. And I had a teacher. And actually, weirdly, he never actually taught me. So he was never actually my teacher. He was a French teacher. Never actually taught me. But he did the school play. He was Philip Moore. And I'm still in touch with him now on Facebook, actually. And he he was amazing. Like, he was just... You know, when you get someone as a... He, he was incredible. And he was really interesting... A really interesting uh, uh, man as well. He really interested. Really, he was interested in interesting things. Like we did, um, uh, you know, we did one of the school plays. It was Theatre of Blood. You know, the old Hammer Horror. Yeah. <laughs> and I was playing the Vincent Price character, and it was amazing. You know, it was just like <laughs> that was a what? school play. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Like what? You know, like what? You know, it's like. And at the time, I was like, "This is great." And it's only like later years later, you go like. Wow, I was you know <laughs> yeah. I was exposed to really interesting stuff. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So uh, and he introduced me to people like Kate Bush. Now all this kind of stuff, wow. you know, and he was really and he was absolutely great. Interesting, he was great. Like he was amazing. And I was going through a lot of difficult stuff at home as well. So um, and he just was there. He just he was genuinely incredible. If you think if I'm thinking of someone who has like had a what someone had a really massively positive impact in my life who isn't you know my wife or my family mm. it would be him and he kind of got he kind of kept me on that acting route and kept me doing performance so very inspiring individual He's totally and inspiring yeah um, yeah absolutely what about sort of his influence do you think sort of lives on in in, in how you um go about your um life and it, stuff you do it was a sense of uh, a sense of self belief, I think, that he gave, and like he really believed in me. I was I thought and and encouraged me to believe in myself, and he encouraged me to believe that I could do, you know, I could do different things. I could go off and do something and whatever I wanted, really, and I would have the ability to do it. It just had to put a bit of effort into it. But also as well, the belief that I could do totally weird, different stuff, probably. Like, a lot of people, I remember when I came to university, university has a drama society called Suds, uh, Sussex, Suds Drama Society. Yeah, and I imagine some people going there and they and they join the drama, they want to do that and they join the drama society. And some of the the players that they're thinking of or they're, the players that they want to put on maybe come from quite a conservative sort of Mm. Well, let's put. Whereas, at, and then at university, you learn about all this other stuff that's happening. You know, all this other weird, like Marat Sand, like just stuff which is just so far out of your out of your reality. Yeah, and it's just mind weird expanding. and mind expanding and upsetting and yeah. and just brilliant. Not like totally, but it felt like it already. Being exposed a bit, your to, mind had been a bit blown. You're yeah, I'd, I'd, slightly liberated. Yeah, space. yeah, I'd felt I'd, like I'd already slightly gone. You know, not totally. You know, because obviously, you know, I, it's a constantly evolving thing. But it did feel like it had already sort of it. Ex- I my mind had already been slightly, you know, opened yeah. by that point. You know, just by virtue of the fact that he encouraged me to have self belief. And giving lots of opportunities to do stuff, and at the same time was introducing me to things that I had no, yeah. you know, things like Hammer horror movies and um, Kate Bush and just sort of interesting books and like 
just lots of different things that I would never have um, encountered otherwise. What a great teacher, someone who's he was amazing. nourishing you. Never your... actually my teacher. Yeah, yeah, or but someone who's holding yeah, yeah. space for you and giving, giving you some fuel to go and kind of take yeah. into that. And you're still in touch with him on Facebook? I am just about, yeah, just yeah. About. We, we chat occasionally, yeah, oh, it's good. So I need cool. to, um, I met, last time I was over, actually, I met up with him. Yeah, it's, he's great. But yeah, but that sort of, he's sort of started that. Mm-hmm. And I do, you were talking before about like mind expanding and exposing and all that kind of thing. Um, and that is something that I want to like, you know, keep pushing and doing. So I want to like, just open, I just open things up, I suppose. Like I'm, you know, I'm very interested in like psychedelic spaces and sort of other, and otherworldly spaces. So like using, you know, using ritual and, spiritual practices to like open stuff out and um and also it's like when you like we were talking about the music earlier and having Mm. that that is that's that's like setting like an atmosphere and setting a it's creating like a sort of a magical space Mm. for want of a better term i well that probably is the term i just say want for a better term because normally when i hear someone else say putting a magical space i just think oh Bullshit. The, uh, <laughs> but it's exactly what yeah. I want to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's um, it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, but yeah, it's kind of that kind of yeah, it's interesting. But, um, I'm a bit interested at the moment about, and and I, and I think there's possibly something that oh, I'm interested to see here if there's something that resonates for you. I'm interested the, I think it's in the area of about creativity, making things, um, having a creative life, um, and ideas about self-care and suffering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So th- th- there's this often poo-pooed idea, and I'm poo-pooing it too, yeah, yeah. that you have to, to make something good, you have to suffer. Um, yeah. and my my take on that is there's plenty of suffering. Yeah, in life, yeah, absolutely. Is, is anyway in the Buddhist sense of that uh, you don't need to generate any more. Yeah. But... Um, I'm interested, and especially because um, you are so honest and, and generous in, in, in how you talk about your experience and health. You know, what's your, I'm interested, what's your journey been in terms of balancing, creating stuff and taking care of yourself and having a healthy take on that? Um, I did at one point think I had to, you know, like most artists at some point or other, you think, oh yes, I must suffer. And, you know, and a lot of the better stuff I've done has come from a space of, um, trying, of, or I've pulled it out of, um, you know, times when I've been suffering or, you know, not been feeling particularly well. Um, but I actually find it now, like performance, like I was saying, like that sort of white zone where and everything kind of. Um, I find it completely therapeutic and just, it makes me feel, it makes me feel better doing, you know, performing. Um, it, it really does make me feel a lot better. But I mean, it's not just that, I mean, I've, I've found lots of other um, ways to kind of cope. And I, I mean, there's I'm currently having a, there's currently a conversation happening in my house, which is around um, work-life balance and um because uh, I currently like work, work full I currently work full time in a um, in an office and um 
is a conversation I'm having with my wife and some other people about would it be better for my health to not be to be working slightly less at that because um, it would give me more time to do the creative the creative work which as I've just said is incredibly therapeutic and mm. makes me feel a lot better so maybe I need to be doing that more to help my health but you know and obviously there's all sorts of questions around that about like money and like you know it's like you don't really earn a huge amount as in you know as a as a creative person um you know unless you've you know had gotten a lucky break um or you know just worked really hard for like 10 years to get somewhere you know what i mean it's good it's, you don't always earn a huge amount of money so it's it's sort of finding a balance i think one of the things that actually um i discovered the tau um a couple of years ago mm. and that has completely sort of just the the thing about balance and trying to live in the moment, which is very difficult to do as a sort of a comic writer performer, because when cringeworthy things happen to you, you have to remember them because you know it'll be funny <laughs> later. Right, so it's so it's a difficult time, you know, because really what you should be, what I should be doing is just letting go. You just sort of let go of it, and you're in the moment and just yeah. existing. Which I think is a very healthy, beautiful thing, and I do do it with most. I, I'm I'm trying to do it with most things in my life. It's interesting that um, uh, yeah, you, whether it be noting down that cringeworthy experience yeah, yeah. for later, whatever, or um, yeah. in the act of performing. I, I mean, I, I kind of see there is a kind of almost a ritualistic letting go yeah. of it, you know experience. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, as in written form of performing, yeah. and then you, you're kind Definitely. of left. Uh, left to swim on yeah but then you need to keep but then you have to keep doing the same material over and over again so mm. ritualistic letting go every night <laughs> <laughs> well um, the, um, that's the discipline yeah yeah what ambition or other plans um, have you got in mind um, you know where, where do you sort of see yourself stepping towards um, I next year I want to by this time next year, I have a really tight um, and quite uh, sharp sh- sort of show, which um, which will be a bit different from this one, but it'll have some of the same stuff in it, and do that in the Brighton Fringe and Edinburgh Fringe, and hopefully take it around other places as well. So I want to do that. Um, I'm writing a novella, like a interconnected short story, interconnected sort of short stories that form like a short novel. Um, I've been working on that for a couple of years. I want to finish that, do that done. I want to release a book of poems. I want to go for a lot of long walks. <laughs> so no shortage of... Uh, those are the, those are my, I'm talking about, yeah, the walks in, but like uh, work-wise, like creative work-wise, it's those three things, really. The show that I want to do next year, I'm going to call and it's um it's a quote by Virginia Woolf on um about a painting by Walter Sicker called Onway and it's called The Accumulated Weariness of Innumerable Days. Right. So that's the show title. That's the show title. So you're gonna write up I've to decided. that. I've <laughs> decided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What can people expect from that, do you think? Uh for fans of fans of um people I like so we were talking about comics uh, people mm. that I like and stuff so they, um, I do like 
comedian-wise, uh, Simon Munnery, John Hegley, um, obviously Daniel Kitson, as everyone does. Seri- it'll be funny with some serious bits, and it may- hopefully a bit that will make people a bit teary. And uh, I'll maybe be playing my viola. Oh, fantastic! So, but it's all very early. I'm basically thinking of it now in a certain sort of sense of like everything that works out of shame mm. will go into it, and then hopefully some other stuff. A multidisciplinary. Um, yeah, because I want to do little films as well. I want to make little films, little poetry films. I was going to do that for this year, and I just never got around to doing it. Um, but I wanted to have little films of like of the of some of the poems, and um, I just yeah. I had this image of a ma- a black and white film of a man on a trampoline for months, and I don't really know what I need to do with it. But I'll do something with it. Make it, and yeah, yeah. then you'll know. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you could. Give your your younger self any advice about what to pay attention to to be a happy or balanced creative person who's living a life they like. What are the key things that are important? This is a very personal thing for me, but um, uh, go and uh, for me, yeah, be like, um. Go and find someone who'll um, teach you how to manage your finances. <laughs> wow, that's, that's, that's quite a big... It's very theory. specific yeah. um, thing, but it's quite a bit, yeah, just... Um, Do you still need that person? I've never learned how to be very good with money. Mm. You know, it's slowly getting better, but I, I could have... There's been times in the past where I really could have done with some uh, guidance. But, you know, mm. um, probably... Um, Enjoy the moment more. That's pretty good advice. That's pretty yeah. good advice for anyone. Stop looking into the future. Stop going, oh yeah, that's going to be great. This is going to be great. This yeah. is great. This so is great. just, you know. Yeah, and get some financial advice. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, um, well, can't that, stress that enough. <laughs> certainly uh, resonates for me. Um, and, and finally, uh, what, uh, what what are you loving at the moment that you'd recommend to anyone to go check out? You know, what's uh, what are you enjoying? It might be something that's on the fringe, it's like something you're watching or reading, you know, what's kind of, you know, rocking your world at the moment. Um, so, yes, yeah, so the stuff I saw at the fringe of the week, I, I've been really enjoying a lot of sort of, um, sort of comedy at the, uh, at the fringe. Um, and I, you know, I can, I can, um, I can, I can put a list when you upload this and just say, uh, Pete recommends these okay. people, um, if you, want, well, if you want, if you want, or you don't, or you don't have to, no, that sounds good. um, but, um, what else you got? Oh yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, I reread, um, Octavia Butler's, uh, parable books recently. They're amazing. Um, I read them years ago and then I couldn't, you couldn't, they're out of print, I couldn't find them and then find them on, um, <coughs> Amazon. Um, and they were, uh, quite expensive, but, amazing. but they're really good. They're, um, she's a, um, she was, she was, she's dead now. She was, um, uh, a black American woman who wrote, uh, sci-fi. So black female sci-fi, which is like, you know, yeah. not, you know, it's different. It's not the usual. Answer, yeah. And um, and these power books are brilliant. They're basically 
um, follow this young woman um, as society collapses and she forms a new religion and it's there's two books of it and they're really really good it's all about sort of um, the religion's called Earth Seed and it's kind of based on elements of Buddhism and the Tao but it basically follows her as she sort of um, navigates through um, a time of cataclysm and change um, in and it's very it's very prophetic like there is a um, yeah, in there is a president that um, gets into power. Who um, basically, there's a lot of echoes of what's uh, <laughs> what's happening now. You know, there's got yeah, and there's quite you know religious right sort of takeover, and but it's uh, they're absolutely good. they're absolutely brilliantly written, and they're very um, they're very sort of quite blunt and real, but they're very very good. So I recommend those if you like your. If you like dystopia, I love dystopian, dystopian books. Love it, love them. Just absolutely amazing. Just love dystopias. Like anything where the world is falling apart, love it. It's great. In case yeah. you're not convinced by what you're looking to see yeah, out yeah. the window, yeah, you can go exactly. and read a story and about the end of the world. Exactly. And the, oh, yeah, and the other thing is, uh, Marvel's Agents of Shield. Love it. Well, the TV show. The TV show. I've, I've never watched it. Absolutely brilliant. Okay. I mean, it's popcorn. Yeah. It's trash TV, but it's great. It's really good. Well, it's great uh, cross section of offerings. Uh, Lou, yeah, Lou and I have been uh, just watching it nonstop. Uh, I've been watching it when I should be writing. That's so I needed some writing. So, oh, should we? Should we just watch an episode of? Uh, yeah. Should we just watch an episode just, of Agents? Just three or four. Just episodes. Yeah. Oh, God, one o'clock. It's got work <laughs> in the morning. Go to bed. And yeah, and but yeah, so it's uh, but yeah. That's what I've been really into recently. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Octavia Butler. I mean, they're quite, those are quite different um, recommendations, but, you know, I think people will enjoy them. Something for everyone. Yeah. Brilliant. And and uh, so Shame is... Um, you've got a few more dates left. Yes. At the so I've got Sunday the 20th of May yep. at 1.40 in the afternoon, when hopefully it won't be as hot as it was yesterday. Just in our post-lunch... Uh, Grab, grab a drink, come and check yeah, it out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then twenty uh, Wednesday and Thursday, twenty third and twenty fourth at nine forty p.m. And that's down. The and day. that's the the suite at the Welly. So it's the the Welly the Welly pub down from Duke of Wellington, isn't it? I forget the word. I never know. Is it the Duke of Wellington or is it the Welly night? But yeah, it's it's just down from Brighton Station, and it's a little theatre above the pub. But yeah. Well, it was, yeah, as I said before, I very much enjoyed it and um, I hope you uh, continue to have a a brilliant run with it. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for um, coming down. No problem. It's been really good. No problem at all. Enjoyed it. That was me, Pete Strong, talking about stuff. Thank you very much to Pete for giving the time to have a chat um, and for being the first person to 
test my interviewing or podcast hosting ability. I hope I didn't uh, fall too short of the mark. So Pete's show continues this month, May 2018, at the Brighton Fringe. I think the next date's on the 20th. We'll put the links and everything uh, in the notes somewhere, perhaps on the blog. Don't really know. Figure that out. Um, but do go along and see it because it's a an hour well spent. I heartily enjoyed it myself. So do that. Great. Um, Anything else to say? I don't know. You got anything else? I'm still in a car park. Still in a car park. Yep. Sun's going down. <laughs>